The Prince of Tides is my third favorite novel of all time, would you? Prince of Tides came out in 1986. In 1987, a member of my first church invited Kathy and me to spend a few days at his place in Kiowa Island, not far from Charleston. So if you've been to Kiowa, you know it's a, a land of vast salt marshes, and river deltas, and shrimp boats flying waves off the beach. Now, I read The Prince of Tides when it first came out in 1986, but Kathy hadn't read it yet, so she got to read The Prince of Tides on Kiowa Island right in the middle of its unique geography among all these salt marshes and these shrimp boats. It's a wonderful experience to read a book in its own unique geography, right? So you can read Huck Finn on the Mississippi, or the Grapes of Wrath and the Dust Bowls of Oklahoma or the Orchards of California. You can read Moby Dick by Nantucket. This summer I read uh, Ann Patchett's novel Tom Lake in a cherry orchard in the Lilo Peninsula in Michigan. And so it's a, an, an enriching experience to read a book where it happens, right? So in Kiwa Island's case, there are the live oaks and the marsh grasses and the coastal dialects and the heavy southern air and the centrality of Clemson football and the smell of mud and salt, which takes you back to the beginning of time when the primordial light itself climbed up out of the oceans. So in those cases, when you read a book where it happened, you not only read the story, you can live it. There's this story in The Prince of Tides, for example. You remember when Luke and Tom and Savannah go shrimping with their grandfather, Amos, and they catch sight of this albino porpoise. And it's so beautiful. It's probably the only, only albino porpoise which has ever appeared on the eastern seaboard of the United States. It may be the only albino porpoise in the world at that time. And she's so beautiful, and they call her Snow. And the albino porpoise breaks the surface, and Amos says to his grandchildren, if that ain't proof for a living God, I don't know what else is. You'd think God would be satisfied with a normal porpoise. That's so beautiful. But God keeps dreaming up things to please the human eye. And then the porpoise breaks the water about 20 yards from the boat, and the children can tell that the albino porpoise is not pure white. Faint oars of color shimmered across her back as she cut through the water. A brief silvering of her fins. Evanescent color that could not be sustained. You just knew that she could never be the same color twice. And Tom says of his grandfather, when the white porpoise came, it was like the white smile of God coming up at my father from the ocean. Thank you, God, he said. Thank you, God, for this. And years later, when Amos dies, Tom remembers his grandfather and finds himself wishing that he could be like his grandfather, walking the southern world, thanking God for oysters and porpoises, for bird song and sheet lightning, lightning swollen with charity like a rainbow intoxicated with love for God, with eyes incapable of anything but wonder, and the tongue fluent only for praise. That's how Tom remembers his grandfather. Eyes incapable of anything but wonder, and a tongue fluent only for praise.